like to invite you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 4. We'll be reading from verses 1 through 11 this morning. You know, I am, uh, I'm so blessed here in this church to, to have folks that have the ability to, uh, to pitch in and to fill in when the time is needed. You know, I know Tommy always says he keeps an extra message right there, you know, in the bag and he can fill in. And, and so many of you said, uh, commented about what a wonderful job Adam did last week. But now I know I got a third option and that's Margie because she just stood up there and went with it. And so I'm going to keep her in mind in the future also. Um, <clears throat> we really did have such a wonderful time on that, that trip and I just... Thank you all so much um, for supporting and being so helpful. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand with me, please, as we read? You follow along on the screen or in your copy of God's Word. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him and said, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Most of all, because we can see Jesus, the eternal word. We understand who you are because of the incarnation, because of Christ coming and taking on human flesh. And living out your love and your care for us. And Father, as we all fight our spiritual battles, how fortunate we are to have recorded in Scripture this instance of Jesus as he resists the temptation of the devil. Father, may you use this passage of Scripture in our lives to teach us about how we might be successful in the battles we face. And God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. How many of you like shortcuts? Shortcuts are, are, are interesting. We, we all seek shortcuts in life. We all like to, to find the quickest, the most efficient way. I remember very well when I first moved up here, you know, I, I had never lived north of like about the middle of Mississippi. So north Mississippi, I might have been 
to Columbus once or twice in my entire life, Tupelo maybe once or twice, and then, of course, Starkville I'd been a few more times. But, but most of this area, I just didn't know it all. And so I'm trying to figure it out. And, 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 and as I get to know Denise, I'm like, well, you've lived here all your life. Show me some of your shortcuts, Denise. And I really didn't even have to volunteer, actually, ask. I mean, she just kind of volunteered her shortcuts and started telling me the different ways. Now, this is the way I go to... And I came to find out that some of her shortcuts were really great, and some of them I refer to as long cuts, because I'm like, this really, I know you've lived here all your life, but I'm kind of going, I don't know about this little way that you're taking me, and come to find out, see, her idea of a shortcut may not always be the shortest way, but maybe it's the way with less traffic, or this less stressful for her, or just the way she's more comfortable. I don't know, and have you ever noticed that about shortcuts? When you start asking around for directions, and someone says, no, I'll tell you a shortcut. And, and their idea of a shortcut may not be the same as yours. I mean, their idea, it, it kind of comes with a catch, right? Maybe it's shorter, but at the end of it, your face is green because you've gone through so many twists and turns. You know, maybe it's shorter, but that money that you just spent at the car wash is completely wasted because you're covered in red clay and mud. Or, or maybe you're about to have to go buy new tires because there's so many potholes. I mean, every shortcut that you get from people isn't always really great. And see, there's two types of shortcuts in this life, right? Some are the shortcuts that are simply more efficient, just like a bypass around the city. Man, that's, that's great. And sometimes we even lament those, though, because we'll say, oh... You know, I was talking with somebody about a short, the, how they're bypassing over in Alabama when you're going toward Tuscaloosa and said, oh, man, you know, there's going to be another small town, wither up and die. And I'm like, yeah, I feel bad for that, but uh, I'll get to Tuscaloosa faster. You know, so I was just kind of like, my, I'm, I, I don't live in that town. I'll be glad to go around that town. And, and those shortcuts, if they're still getting us there, they're good. But there's other shortcuts in life that we figure out that come with a catch. These are shortcuts with a compromise. Yeah, you get to where you're supposed to go, and maybe it is a little quicker and a little easier, but you've left something out along the way. Something vital is missing. And those are what I call Satan shortcuts. They promise you a great experience. It's faster, it's better, it's more fun. Why waste time doing it the right way? But they don't tell you the consequences of taking the shortcuts. As we see here in this example of the temptations that Satan had for Jesus, we see some of the very same temptations that he gives to us. And so I want us this morning to talk about Satan's shortcuts, these shortcuts with a catch. The first that we see is a shortcut to satisfaction. A shortcut to satisfaction. The very first thing he tells Jesus is, If you are the Son of God, don't you like that? Like... How many times, guys, have you in your life been goaded? If you're a real man, you'll do this. You know, you'll jump off that bridge or you'll do this. You know, Satan is doing that same thing. Oh, if you're really the son of God, then, then you're going to do this. And what is it he's tempting? He says, tell these stones to become bread. This is a temptation. When I say temptation to satisfaction, I'm talking a temptation to to satisfy our earthly, fleshly desires in a way that dishonors God. Is there anything sinful about eating bread? 
I hope not. You know, maybe those of you who are on low-carb diets may think it is. But uh, in the Bible, bread is a good thing. We pray and we ask God, give us our daily bread. We, we need our bread. Bread symbolizes food and life for us. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting bread. God gives us a number of different desires. We have desires for food. We have desires for rest. I mean, there's all kind of basic desires we have. And God put them there. They're not evil. They're not wrong. But when we go wrong is when we try to satisfy those desires in an ungodly way. Jesus certainly wasn't wrong for being hungry after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. But Satan wanted him to go and, and do something that was out of God's plans. Satan said, hey... If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In other words, if you got divine power, show it off, Jesus. Prove who you, you are, really, who you say you are. And Jesus' answer, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. That answer was saying, devil, God's already said that eating daily bread is important, and we're to pray to him, we're to seek it, and we're to eat it. But there's something even more important, and that's following God. And if the fulfillment of my desires comes at the expense of following God's plan, I'm not going to do it. Because God's plan was not for, for Jesus to not yet reveal his glory, to not re yet reveal everything about himself. And so there was this impatience that all of us are tempted to, and Jesus as a human being even would have been tempted to. That's why these were real temptations. The Bible never says, oh, they were fake, pointless temptations. They were real temptations of Jesus. He was really tempted to take the shortcut to, that, to uh, fulfill desires. But he said, uh-uh. As real as my desires are and my needs are, as real as I want satisfaction, I understand that all of that has to come below God's plan for my life. So when we're thinking about Satan's attacks and his schemes against us, we have to be on the watch out for those shortcuts to satisfaction. Secondly, we're often tempted to look out for shortcuts to safety. Shortcuts to safety. Devil took him up there on the highest point in the temple. He said, hey, if you're, again, if you're really the son of God, throw yourself down all this, off this temple. Because doesn't the Bible say the angels will, will lift you up and you won't strike your foot against a stone? Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and prove who you are. It's interesting to me. I'm... I'm concerned that sometimes we get more worried about safety than we, we do about God's plan for our life. We're about to load up a bunch of kids on a trip. What are we more concerned about praying for? That they'll have safe travel? Yeah, we want that. Don't get me wrong. But are we more concerned about that? Or are we more concerned that God works in their lives and moves them? So many of us are so caught up in safety and making sure that nothing bad happens to us that really our spirituality comes lower on the totem pole. Safety we've put up there is, safety's great, but there's a certain sense in which the Christian life simply isn't safe. 
If our ultimate goal was safety, there'd never be a missionary. There'd never be anybody witness to anybody who might be slightly aggressive toward them. Nobody would ever take risk and go out on a limb for God because we'd be so timid. And yet the apostle said to Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of timidity or of fear, but a spirit of power and of love. And God's plan for us is to go through whatever we go through in that spirit of power and love. Jesus reminded people, he said, do not fear those who can destroy the body, but fear the one who can destroy both body and soul. In other words, we need to, our respect for God needs to be far greater than we're worried about what some person's going to do to us. God's called us to be on his boat, on his train, on his mission, going his way. Paul said something very interesting. In one of his epistles, he talks about, I am sure that the Lord Jesus will carry me safely home. And you're like, oh, see, see, there's a safety thing. Paul wasn't talking about the kind of safety that we're talking about. Because Paul was the guy that was whipped and stoned and shipwrecked and beaten and mocked and imprisoned and on and on and on. When Paul said, I am sure that Jesus will carry me safely home, he said, what he meant was, I know that I'm going to be with Jesus and that nothing in this life can stop that from happening. I'm not worried about the trials and troubles and tribulations that come my way. For me, getting safely home is not about if I get shipwrecked or not, if I get beat or not, if whatever or not happens. It's about my relationship with Jesus Christ being preserved. To him, that was the ultimate goal of safety. Again, it's not wrong to pray for safety. The Bible teaches us to pray for peace, that we may worship freely, that we may uh, um, carry out our faith freely. But when we get to this thing that safety becomes its priority over fulfilling God's will, it's when we begin to take this shortcut. And we so insulate ourselves from all harm that we end up insulating ourselves from doing God's will. A third and final shortcut that Satan gives after the shortcuts to satisfaction and safety is a shortcut to success. The final temptation, we read in verse 8, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I want you to know that God desires success for each and every one of us. And when I say that, I'm not talking a health and wealth and prosperity gospel, that he wants us all to be rich and to be Instagram influencers and supermodels or whatever. What he wants is for all of us to fulfill the potential that he's given us for life. Not only this life, but the afterlife. You see, the Bible tells us that those of us who faithfully serve Jesus, who faithfully follow God, His Spirit, we, do, we, we serve Him, we love Him, we worship Him, that those of us who do those things will rule and reign with Him in eternity. God created mankind to rule. That's in the, very book, in, in the book of Genesis, in the very beginning. 
God created this whole planet, and he said to the man, he said to Adam and Eve, to watch over it, to tend to it. It's in our very basic nature to be in charge of stuff. It's in our very basic nature to be successful in being in charge of stuff. There's no, there's no problem with wanting to be successful, with wanting to have a place of achievement and success in life. The problem is when we take the shortcut. And that, again, is what Satan was offering Jesus. He said, Jesus, hey, you go ahead and you bow down right now. And everybody are here. that's here, I'm going to make them... I guarantee you, I got some pull in this world. Because we know that Satan is a big, big time ruler in this world. I'll make everybody bow down to you, Jesus. Now, did Jesus deserve for everybody to bow down to him? Absolutely. He's a king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. It was his right to be worshipped. But the shortcut was to avoid the cross. The shortcut to that glory was to say, hey, I've already lived here long enough. I've been here 30 years on this stinking earth where I have to deal with all the limitations of humanity. Hadn't I done enough? Let me go ahead and stop right now before I go and gather all these silly disciples that are going to ask nonsense questions and are going to mess up and goof up all the time. And especially before I go to the cross, hey, what if I just take the easy way out? That's what Satan wants Jesus to think. Because it's yours anyway. But Jesus said, no, I'm not taking the shortcut because I'm not supposed to worship anybody but God and Satan. You ain't God. You are not the father. You are not the God of this universe. And as much as I deserve for everybody to bow down, I'm not going to do it. Because Jesus knew what the book of Ephesians tells us, that one day, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus said, my day is coming. There's going to be a day when all mankind from past, present, and future will all bow before me and they will all acknowledge me. They should do it right now, but they're not. But that day is coming. And I'm not taking Satan's shortcut to try to hurry that day up. One of the hardest things for us to do as Christians is to know that God has promised us something, but to not know when that promise is going to come true. Sometimes those are promises revealed to everybody in Scripture. Sometimes God speaks a word into your heart that, that he tells you something that you know is going to happen. And, and, and we would like to think, oh, that'd be awesome if God tells me what's coming up. But, you know, sometimes he'll tell you something's coming and he won't tell you when. And so you'll, you'll hear that word and you'll think, oh, man, that's great, God. I'm, I'm so glad that, let's just say it's a financial blessing. Oh, great, I'm, I'm glad that's coming. Month goes by, two months goes by, things are breaking down, bills are piling up, and you're like, oh, that blessing would be great now, Lord. You see, God has given us this, these tests of our patience, these trials and difficulties that we go through so that we'll keep looking at him and trusting in him. Sometimes that's when he hasn't told us what it's going to do, but sometimes he's told us and we have to just wait on him. God has a day for us coming in which all of our evil and sinful desires will be gone. 
That freedom we talked about at convocation of being free from the power of sin. One day we'll be free from the presence of sin. We won't want to sin, but we couldn't if we wanted to because all those things will be gone. And so there's a day in which every desire that we have will be a godly desire. And they will be fulfilled. That satisfaction will be there. We got a day in which all the safety is never a concern because there, we're there forever with the Lamb of God. And certainly success will be nothing we have to chase after because it will be working in God's kingdom and serving Him, ruling and reigning with Him for eternity. Every one of those desires are legitimate and they're all going to be ultimately fulfilled one day. God says the key thing for you right now, trust me and don't take shortcuts. Because Satan will offer them at every step along the way. And he'll give you lots of justifications. Mm, that's a little bit of a shady business deal, but you know, i got to put food on the table for my family, so I'm going to ignore the ethical problem there. Mm, I know that that sexual relationship is not right. Hey, God created me with these desires, so I need to express them, right? And see, on and on and on, we make justifications and we fall right into Satan's shortcuts, which are compromises. And God says, wait on me. You'll be successful. You'll be satisfied. You'll be safe. All of these desires will be completely fulfilled one day. But right now, my grace is enough. Right now, you trust in me and my grace will carry you through. The Bible tells us that sin is pleasure for a season. You take that shortcut, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to seem great at first. It's going to be awesome. Nobody would take the shortcuts if they knew how bad they were going to end up. But before long, they lead to destruction. And God says, follow my path to life. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God, we are all tempted and we are all tried every day to take Satan's shortcuts. To take the easy way out, to compromise on our morals, our character, and our integrity. We think no one's looking. Or it's just this once. Or nobody understands what I'm going through. But God, you're looking. You're watching every moment. And you understand exactly what we're going through. For many different reasons, but none more than that your son was tempted just as we are in every way. And by his spirit and by his power, you have given us the freedom to reject Satan's shortcuts. And so I pray today that we would all commit to be wise, that we might recognize them, and to be bold and courageous to reject them, and to be humble to receive your strength to live the right way. Father, we pray now that you would bless and that you would have your hand on this time of response. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.